Growing up, I shared with you that I loved being around my grandfather. Grandfather I look up to, still look up to him today, but I remember him building houses. And there was construction sites that I remember riding in his big truck to. And I would love, he would uh, let me ride bikes through the construction sites and, you know, go through mud puddles because I was a boy, all boy, and I wanted to get muddy. And he was all right. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) He didn't have a problem with it. My grandma probably did, but... Um, he would let me just ride around and look around at these construction sites. And, you know, as a young kid, I was fascinated by them. And I would ask Grandpa, like, why, why do they do this? Why do they do that? Why not start here? Why, not, why, why are you starting here? And, and I, would, I would process, like, where's the roof, Grandpa? Like, why, why, don't, why don't you start building the roof? Like, what, where's the... Where's the walls? Why aren't the walls up? See, there was a process. There's a process to everything. And my, my grandpa understood that. He was an architect and he, he built homes. And so he knew that before the walls go up, before the roof is added, before anything really is done to the actual building, you have to work on the foundation. You have to have really good footing. If you have bad footing, if you have a bad foundation, what's going to happen to that wall that you put up? What's going to happen to the roof that comes that you put on top of the building? It's going to crumble. Because if anything happens to that foundation, if it shakes, if it crumbles, if it falls apart, if it, you know, starts, you know, like quicksand and loose ground underneath it, all those type things will have an impact on that foundation. If the foundation isn't good, then the house will not stand, or the building will not stand. And today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what it means to have a strong foundation. And what is your foundation? That's what I hope to answer this morning. For you to have that question, hopefully you will be able to answer it this morning. What is my foundation? You know, I shared a couple weeks ago that My wife is a dreamer. I'm not much of a dreamer. She remembers vivid dreams. For me, I don't recall a whole lot of my dreams. But I remember the past couple of times I've had dreams. They've been repeated multiple nights, over and over, reoccurring dreams. And there was this one that happened almost two years ago. And it was one that I woke up, it was like three in the morning. Every single night for three nights in a row, three mornings in a row, at three in the morning, I'd look at my clock and I'd wake up from this dream. And the dream was this, that I had this house, this house in in Salisbury. In my dream, it looked identical to our house that we were living in at the time in Salisbury. But what the issue with this house was the foundation was crumbling. It would literally just crumble and it was a two-story house, and somehow the two stories fell. They fell to the ground, and now the two stories were really one story, but they were divided. See, my kids and my wife were on one side, and I was on the other. And I, all throughout this dream, it was me trying to figure out, how am I going to get to the other side? Because the doors wouldn't, you know, they weren't there. Like, I was trying to get through windows that just weren't there. Like, something was going on with my house, and I could not get to my kids because of this foundation issue. 
And every night for the past that, those three nights, I'd wake up at three in the morning and I could not go back to sleep. And at the time I was working with Chick-fil-A and I had to get up early in the morning. And I was like, come on, Lord, get, let me go back to sleep. Like I would go and I would um, you know, put oils on. I would take medicine. I'd be like, okay, try to help me, God. Let me go to sleep. And it wouldn't. And on the third night, I was like, okay, what are you saying? I get the message. This is reoccurring for a reason. And in that moment, God spoke to me and said, Dustin, what's your foundation like? What is your foundation like? See, up into that, to that point, I had very successful ministry. I'd been in youth ministry, been worship leading. Um, I just planted a church. Uh, the church plant was going really well. But what I learned is that through these dreams that kept on reoccurring is that God was showing me that my foundation was flawed and it was going to impact my family if something didn't change. And that dream was really a vision of the future if I didn't change what was going on. See, the foundation that I was living by, it was looking a lot into me, my ministry, my family, my life. It was becoming self-absorbed. You know, the pats on the back that I would receive from, from people in my church, the pats on the back um, that I would receive from myself and other people in my community as we went out and did community work. It was good things. It wasn't anything that was bad. It wasn't that I was caught in, in deep sin or anything like that. But it was the busyness of ministry that, that uh, Satan was tricking me and that it, if I didn't change the direction that I was going, then my foundation was going to crumble. And I'm not sure if y'all are okay with this. I'm not sure if you're okay with vulnerability. I'm, I'm, a, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I think we need to be more vulnerable. We all go through tough times. But it was in that moment that I had a decision to make. What is my foundation going to be like? And because of that decision, it changed my family for the good. I started rewiring the way I did life. I started to do ministry with my family. It wasn't that daddy was going out in the community and doing community work. And that was it. It was that we as a family were sent by God to live in our neighborhood on purpose. And so we started to shift one's mind to change how we lived our life. And it all started with our foundation. See, the world lives on a foundation that is slippery. It is a slippery slope. It's a loose foundation. Our world is overcome by greed, lust, hate, pride, racism, all different kinds of things that the, our world has allowed to be the foundation, its foundation. And just like a foundation that is loose, a foundation that is crumbling, the world is falling apart. People are falling apart. Marriages are falling apart. And maybe you need a dream that wakes you up at night, that forces you to make some tough decisions and, and, and readjust things in your own life. I'm so glad that God still speaks through dreams. I'm still glad that God still convicts us when we do something wrong and that we're not following in the way. See, the church... The American church especially 
We have foundation issues. We have foundation problems. So we have artificial foundation. See? Foundation that's good is solid. It's rock. It is hard. But see, a lot of times in American culture, American church culture especially, we tend to put these artificial replacements, something like plastic, some type of synthetic that, we, that is going to collapse. See, we make things what they shouldn't be. In church world, our foundations can be all about our pastors. Can you make a foundation all about your pastors? You can, but it's not going to hold up. Because we're human. Pastors are human. If you make it all about me, that's not good. We can make it about crazy doctrine. We can make it about justifying different beliefs. All different kinds of things we can put in its place of what solid foundation is supposed to be. So today what I want to talk to you about is love. See, love is supposed to be our foundation. The foundation of the church is to be love. And you're thinking, what are you going to talk about? Love, like, and we hear the word love and you think all different kinds of things. Because a lot of times we view the word love through a lens of the world. I'm not bringing a, a view of the, uh, from the lens of the world, but through Scripture this morning. Love in its purest form. Love came down. Love dwelt among us. Love washed feet. Love died on a cross for our sins. Love showed us how to live a life of holiness. Love raised from the dead, giving us eternal life. Love says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Love is Jesus Christ. And if love is supposed to be the foundation of the church, that means that Jesus, who is the perfect love that's ever walked on this earth, is Jesus. So Jesus is supposed to be our foundation. Church, Jesus has to be our foundation. If we are to move forward, Jesus has to be our foundation. It can't be about anything else. If it is about anything else, then something is wrong. See, it can't be about our church. Our foundation can't be about our church. <laughs> well, I like it this way. This is my church. No, it's not your church. It's not my church. It's Jesus' church, and he is our foundation. It can't be about even Christian way of living. No, that's not the foundation that Jesus came. It can't be about legalism. It can't be about certain types of preaching. And the way you like preaching, it can't be a certain way you do Sunday school or small groups or even types of music or even programs that's even in this church. It can't be about them. That cannot be our foundation because if that is our foundation, we are missing the mark. Jesus has to be our foundation. If he's not and we don't change things, if, we, if he's not our foundation, then we might as well just shut the doors today. Because when it's not about Jesus any longer, this church does not, no longer, should not bear the name of church. Because the church is no longer God's church. It's just a building filled with people. 
See, Jesus is what brings us together. Jesus is what holds us together. He is our foundation. It says in um, Paul's teaching in Ephesians 2, it talks about Christ being the cornerstone. See, a cornerstone, especially in architecture, a lot of people think about the arcway, right, in, in those times of how they built arcways, and there was this cornerstone that held the arc together, and if, it, if the arch fell, it was because of this cornerstone. We'll see in foundations, back then especially, there was what was called a keystone. And whenever you hear the word cornerstone, they're also referring to the keystone. The keystone was the, the stone that held all the foundation together. If you remove the keystone, the whole foundation would collapse. In churches, in churches, if you remove Jesus from the church foundation, the foundation will collapse. Jesus has to be the foundation of the church. Has to be. See, this illustration of this foundation reflects the role of Christ in God's plan for salvation and redemption for, for all mankind. See, everything rests on Jesus, and he holds it all together. And those who launch themselves against this stone, against this foundation, will find themselves crushed. You can't come around Jesus. <laughs> you can't overpower him. You can try to replace him, but he still holds the keys. He still is everything when it comes to his church. Because this is his church. This isn't my church. This isn't your church. It is his church. And he can lead this church. And I say we let him do it. Amen? All right, so we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Jesus had already been in this kind of an argument, this debate over marriage and the resurrection. And this person was asking questions. And people like to ask questions of Jesus. And Jesus loves to respond not always with an answer. Of course, sometimes he does respond with an answer, but a lot of times it makes other people think. He throws and reverses the question on them. And so he responds about this marriage, and uh, this woman was married multiple times, and, and who was going to be the bride whenever they got uh, resurrected. And, and Jesus talks about what it's going to be like, and he uh, shows them that uh, you know, the resurrection is for the li living People who are alive are going to be resurrected. And so then we pick up on in uh, verse 28. He's talking to the teachers of the law. In verse 28, we pick up here, he says this, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them another question. Out of all the commandments, which is the most important? See, sometimes they're trying to slip Jesus up. How's he going to answer? But I think this teacher of the law was really engaged. He really wasn't, he liked how Jesus answered the question. He's like, oh, wow, I want to know more. I want to know more. I don't know about your relationship with Jesus, but that's how I am. When I encounter something and I'm like, wow, that is good. Let me have more, more of you, Jesus, more of you. Verse 28, it says, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus, whoa, 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 I just asked for one. I asked one question, one commandment, and you just slipped up and you gave me two. <laughs> he loves to do things like that, doesn't he? <laughs> Gives us more than we even asked for. Verse 32, it says, well, te well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is the one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and, with, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifice. Then Jesus saw that he had answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. So today we're going to talk about that. What love, how, having Jesus as the foundation, what love being the foundation of, of the church and of our lives, what that looks like and how Jesus answered this question really sets the bar of how we are to be a church with a foundation that of love. A foundation of that of Jesus. See, for thousands of years, Jewish people had been um, reciting this prayer over and over. Every day, they would re recite this prayer. And this prayer was called the Shema. The Shema in Hebrew literally means to listen. Hear, O Israel. It's Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. It says that, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. See, the Shema was this, the people's response to God, to, to respond to Him with love, to make sure that they are listening to Him every day of their life. If you go on, you read further into Deuteronomy 6, it talks about the commandments, it talks about how we're to, to live according to them. We're, we're to live out these, these ways. And so they would bind them on their doors. They would have them posted on their doors. They would have them in boxes, these weird boxes that they would wear on their heads. I mean, it had to be just like weird, like to go around with these boxes on your heads that like were tied around it. And you would see it on your forehead. And you would see other people that were your brothers and sisters in, in uh, the way. And you would see them and they would be like, uh, oh, I remember what that is. That's the, the Shema. I need to remember to re recite the Shema. And it would remind them of all the commandments there to live by. But this is one commandment that was repeated over and over. See, Shema was a Hebrew word for listen. But see, in the English word for, that we have, we hear listen. But we also have other words that come out of that. Things like obey. See, in the Hebrew, there was no word for obey. And so whenever the um, Israelites heard the word Shema, they also knew that it was married with the word obey. So it was literally to mean listen and obey what is to come. Listen, obey, that you are to love God with everything, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything. It says this, it goes even further, to impress this on your children. Pass this on from generation to generation. 
Don't let it just stop with you and your family, but pass it on to your, the, the generations that were to come. See, church, this is what we are to live by. We are to have the foundation of Jesus here, to love God with our everything, to love God with passion. What does it look like to love God with passion? It starts with our heart. Do you love God with all your heart? With your soul, with your being, every part of you, your being. Jesus added one there. Because if you go and you compare with the Shema that the Israelites were used to, he added one, and that was the mind. See, Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Repent is literally a shifting of one's mind. So Jesus comes on the scene and he's saying, it's not just enough for your heart. It's not just enough for your soul. It's not just enough with your strength. You have to choose to follow him. Your mind has to love God just as much. Then he goes on and says, your strength, your everything, the whole person, uh, Jesus is conveying to truly love God, you have to do it with your everything. So to love God with passion. See, Jesus loved the Father with passion. He was willing to do anything that the Father asked. He even humbled himself on a cross for our sins. With passion. Passion literally means to suffer with. Are you willing to suffer with? Are you willing to suffer for Jesus? In Scripture it says that we're to take up our cross and follow Him daily. Are we willing to truly do that? Are we willing to, whenever life comes at us and there's weight on our shoulders and people are saying all kinds of things about us and ridiculing us because we follow Jesus, are you willing to still follow Him in the midst of persecution? Because Jesus says, when you pray, when you fast, when you do this, when you do that, He says, when you go through trials, when you go through tribulations, rejoice. We're going to go through things. It's not an if, it's a when. Will we choose to say we love God, but not just say it, but actually mean it with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and with all our strength? Dallas Willard once said this, he said, Jesus does not call us to do what he did, but to be as he was, permeated with love. Then the doing of what he did and said becomes the natural expression of who we are in him. So if you're truly to love God, you can't do that without Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So you can't truly love God with passion until you truly understand God's love for you. See, Jesus loves you. (laughs) We hear this this in a, a song that we probably grew up in. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You might be singing that over your kids, but are you singing it over yourselves? (laughs) See, because Jesus loves us. He loves us so much. God loves us so much. The Father sent His only Son to suffer with, to suffer for, 
to take our cross, to bear it, to bear our sins so that we can have life. Not just so that we can have heaven, but so that we can have life, eternal life. And that's good. <laughs> that is so good. And so how do we respond has to be from, from the way God loves us. So we love God with passion. Then we love people on purpose. See, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, and then he goes and he quotes Leviticus 19, verse 18, when he quotes this, to love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's impossible to love God without loving other people. You can't do it. There is no way to truly love God and only love God and that's it and put Him in a box and that's it and just stay there and say, okay, this love that I have is only for God. And it never goes out in the community. It never goes out in the people that are needing love. It is not possible. See, see the way that we, we get, we, we have people. There's people throughout history that has claimed to love God, but then they mistreat and manipulate and oppress other people. We've seen it through history. Y'all familiar with a guy named Hitler? Yeah. You know what he had in one hand? This right here. The Bible. Hitler had a Bible. He might have said he loved God, but he truly didn't. Because loving God is loving others. Think about here in the South. This might hit on some toes. Our history, the deep history of the South. We have the Ku Klux Klan. You know what? These were men that had Bibles, that burned crosses. They didn't love others. They didn't love truly everyone. See, God, if we are to truly love God, the result is to truly love others. So we are to love people on purpose. See, loving our neighbors. So who is our neighbors, you might ask? Neighbors are anyone we encounter in life. I say you start with your neighbors. Do you know your neighbors? You better, need to get, you better get to know your neighbors. But we have to also think about this. That it says to love others, to love our neighbors, to love people like we love ourselves. So to love people on purpose, we have to first love us. See, you can't love God if you can't love yourself. See, when we truly understand God's love for us, then we truly understand that we are made in the image of God, and we are reflecting the image of God. And so when you look at yourself, it's no longer just Dustin. It's Dustin made in the image of God. And God loves me, even though I might be flawed. Even though I might I have all some, some issues that, go, that I, I carry around. But I am made in the image of God. In the image of God, He created me. And the same goes for you. You might think that you're not worthy. You might think that you, you are different than everybody. And in fact, you probably are. You are unique. There is no one person in this room that is the exact same. And that is how creative our God is. But what I do know is that God created you and he made you in his own image. And he said that you 
are good. And he loves you. And so we have to first, if we're truly going to love others, we have to look at our own selves, start with our own selves. Do I love my own self? Or have I been putting myself down? God, help me. Help me to get over this dark cloud that I carry around. God, help me. Love me. Show me how to love my own self. We live in a society that that's tough. We carry a lot around with us. Our society has a tough time loving their own self-image. There's so many, myself included, that have had times where we have struggled with our own self-image, our own insecurities, our own thinking of our own selves. But God is saying He loves you no matter what because He created you and made you. And He loves you through it. Then we're to love our neighbors. That means whenever they said that in the Old Testament, it wasn't just our neighbor neighbor. It meant a bunch of people. It actually included strangers in that. So loving your neighbors is all people. But what Jesus brought about in his teaching about the kingdom of God, he also included the enemy as well. So love those who even persecute you, Jesus says. So when we talk about loving people, we have to do that on purpose. See, I add on purpose to that because you can say, yeah, I love you. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, that's easy for the ones that love you back. But what about those that are, are tough to love? That will spit in your face. That will ridicule you. See, Jesus loved them whenever they did that. Even on the cross. When he was going through the suffering of the cross. The ridicule of the cross. Stripped down, naked. Humiliated. Insults thrown at him. Lord, they do not know what they do. Help them. You know, he prays over them. That's the love of the Father. That's the love that should permeate from us because we are becoming like Christ. So we have to love ourselves. We have to love our neighbors. We have to love enemies. We have to do it on purpose. It takes effort. This isn't something that just comes natural to everybody. There is no one person on this earth right here, right now, that can actually truly say that you you're a naturally born lover. No. There was only one person, one good person that ever walked this earth that was great at loving all people, and that was Jesus Christ. And so for us to love well, we have to have Jesus Christ as our foundation. We have to love God with passion and love others on purpose. And then it ends in verse 34. It says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. See, here's this conversation between, between this teacher of the law. This teacher of the law knew so much about Scripture, knew so much about the old covenant, knew all these things, and here he is with the rabbi, Jesus, and he's questioning him. And then Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. See, maybe you aren't far from the kingdom of God this morning, but I don't want to stay there. I don't want you to stay there. I, I, I don't think Jesus intended for this person to stay there. See, with Jesus, he invites us to enter into the kingdom. So maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, man, 
this love of the God and how I'm supposed to love him back. Like, I have a hard time with that. How can God do... Uh, you know, all this stuff on this world, how can he be uh, just sitting up there and doing nothing? And maybe you have questions like that. My question for you is, how can God send his own son to die on a cross 2,000 years ago for us here today? For every question, there's also another question, I, I think. God is love. No matter what the world tries to twist around it, God is love. God has to be our foundation. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, God isn't my foundation. Because I struggle. I struggle with my own self. I struggle with loving myself. I struggle loving other people. How can I love my enemy? How can I love people like ISIS? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, pastor. Now you're taking it too far. <laughs> no, Jesus said to love all people. Pray for those who persecute you. That means everybody. doesn't matter who they are. We're to do everything we can to love them. Now, is there justice? Absolutely, there's justice. But justice is also love lived out here on this earth. So are we following Jesus into the kingdom of God? To do so, you have to look at your own foundation. Is the footing all out of whack? Is the footing starting to crumble? Is the footing something other than Jesus that you're putting in it? Is it artificial soul? Is it what the world says is okay? Whatever you may be, if it's anything but Jesus, it's the wrong way. And today I would like to repeat what Jesus said. Repent and believe the good news. Repent, shift one's mind, and love God, and love people with everything that you have. Let's have a foundation as a church that is all about loving God with passion and loving people on purpose. So today, with everybody bowing their heads, if you're here today and the things that I... I said, just resonates with you. God's going before you and extending grace to you. He's showing you that your footing's bad. Your foundation's bad. The way you love people is flawed. The way you're trying to love God is flawed because you're doing it with selfish ambitions. God is saying today, don't walk through this door, these doors, without getting in right relationship with Him. Because Jesus loves you. This you know. He loves you so much. He cares for every single one of you. And so today, if that's you, if you just feel that God is dealing with your heart, I just ask that you would just throw up your hand. Just throw up your hand. Amen. Amen. God, we come to you as a people who are called by your name. God, and we just ask that you would help us with our footing. 
Sometimes we allow the world to impact our own foundation and even the foundation of this church. God, help our foundation to always be about loving you with everything and to love others like you love them. God, there's people in this room, God, that you are dealing with, God. You're calling them out. You're calling them by name. God, you love them. You love every detail of them. You love their everything. And God, I just ask that you would just go and continue to go with them. God, speak to them. Reveal yourself to them. And God, I pray that they would repent of their sins and follow you with their, with their life, God. God, that they would confess with their mouth and believe with their heart that you are the Lord that saved them. And God, that you would show salvation to them this morning. And God, I ask that you would also bring about sanctification too. You know, that they would not stop growing in you. And God, maybe this, those that raised their hand this morning, that they just need to grow in you and, and grow in your love. God, I pray that you would just work on their, their salvation and that you would work on their transformation, and God, that you would work on their foundation, and that they would truly be able to say, without a doubt, that they love you, and they love you more than they love themselves, they love you more than the things of this world, and as a result of love, and your love through them, and their love for you, they love all people on this earth, and they're going to do everything they can for your kingdom. Not their kingdom, but your kingdom, God. God, we thank you so much for this church. God, I pray that you would continue to be at work in this church. Uh, that you would help us to make sure that our foundation and our footing is right. And that Jesus is at the foot. That he is the, the, the center of it all. He holds it all together, God. That he is the cornerstone, the keystone of Dan River Westland Church. And that when people hear about Dan River Westland Church, they think about these are people that are called by your name, that humble themselves and they pray, and God, that they love people and they love you before they love anything else. And they love you with passion and they love others on purpose. God, help us. God, be with us as we go. As we leave this building, God, let us take our cross and follow you. God, let us be your hands and your feet and your heart and your ears and your mouth and your eyes and your body as we go out in this world who needs your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.